Chapter 14 of The Tiger Rising. Cage was made out of rusted chain link fence. There was a wood board that served as a roof, and there was a chain link door that was locked tight with three padlocks. Inside the cage, the tiger was still pacing back and forth, just as he had been the last time Rob saw him, as if he had never stopped pacing, or as if Rob had never gone away. Oh, said Sistine in the same voice that she had used when she saw Rob's carvings. He's beautiful. Don't get too close, Rob ordered. He might not like you if you stand too close. But the tiger ignored them. He concentrated on pacing. He was so enormous and bright that it was hard to look directly at him. It's just like the poem says, Sistine breathed. What? said Rob. That poem, the one that goes, tiger, tiger, burning bright in the forest of the night. That poem, it's just like that. He burns bright. Oh, said Rob. He nodded. He liked the fierce and beautiful way the words sounded. Just as he was getting ready to ask Sistine to say them again, she whirled around and faced him. What's he doing out here? She demanded. Rob shrugged. I don't know, he said. He's Bochamps, I guess. Bochamps what? said Sistine. His pet? I don't know, said Rob. I just like looking at him. Maybe Bochamp does too. Maybe he just likes to come out here and look at him. That's selfish, said Sistine. Rob shrugged. This isn't right for this tiger to be in a cage. It's not right. We can't do nothing about it, Rob said. We could let him go, said Sistine. We could set him free. She put her hands on her hips. It was a gesture that Rob had already come to recognize and be weary of. We can't, he said. There's all them locks. We can saw through them. Nah, said Rob. The mere thought of letting the tiger go made his legs itch like crazy. We have to set him free, Sistine said, her voice loud and certain. Mm-mm, said Rob. It ain't our tiger to let go. It's our tiger to save, Sistine said fiercely. The tiger stopped pacing. He pricked his ears back and forth, looking somewhere past Sistine and Rob. Shh, said Rob. The tiger cocked his head. All three of them listened. It's a car, said Rob. A car's coming. It's Bochamp. We've got to go. Come on. He grabbed her hand and pulled her into the woods. She ran with him. She let him hold on to her hand. It was an impossibly small and bony hand, as delicate as a skeleton of a baby bird. They ran together, and Rob felt his heart move inside him, not from fear or exertion, but from something else. It was as if his soul had grown and was pushing everything up higher in his body. It was an oddly familiar feeling, but he couldn't remember what it was called. Is he behind us? Sistine asked breathlessly. Rob shrugged. It was hard to move his shoulders up and down and keep hold of Sistine's hand at the same time. Sistine said, Stop shrugging your shoulders at me. I hate it. I hate the way you shrug all the time. And that made Rob remember Willie May, saying that when he shrugged, he looked like a skinny bird trying to fly. It struck him as funny now. He laughed out loud at the thought of it. And without asking him what he was laughing about, without dropping his hand, without stopping, Sistine laughed too. Then Rob remembered the feeling that was pushing up inside of him. 
filling him full to overflowing. It was happiness. That was what it was called. Chapter 15. By the time they made it back to the motel parking lot, it was dark outside, and they were both laughing so hard they could barely walk. Rob, his father said. He was standing at the door to their room. The blue-gray light from inside seeped out around him. Yes, sir, said Rob. He dropped Cecine's hand. He stood up straight. Where have you been? Out in the woods. Did you finish all up all them jobs I told you to do? Yes, sir, said Rob. Who you got with you? His father said, squinting into the darkness. Sistine drew herself up tall. This is Sistine, Rob said. Uh-huh, said his father, still squinting. You live around here? He asked. For now, said Sistine. Your parents know you're out here? I was going to call my mother, said Sistine. There's a payphone down in the laundry room, said Rob's father. In the laundry room? Sistine repeated, her voice full of disbelief. She put her hands on her hips. We don't got a phone in our room, Rob said to her softly. Good grief, said Sistine. Well, can I have some change at least? Rob's father reached into his pants pocket and pulled out a handful of coins. He bounced the money in the palm of his hand as if he was preparing to do a magic trick. And Rob stepped forward and took the coins from him and handed them to Sistine. You want me to go with you? He asked her. No, she said. I'll find it. Thank you very much. Rob, his Rob, his father said as Sistine marched away, swinging her arms. What's that girl doing in your clothes? She had on a dress, Rob said. It was too pretty to wear out in the woods. Come on in here, his father commanded. Let's get that medicine on your legs. Yes, sir, said Rob. He walked towards the room slowly. His happiness had evaporated. His legs itched. And the motel room, he knew, would be as dark as a cave, lit only by the gray light of the TV. When his mother was alive, the world had seemed full of light. The Christmas before she died, she had strung the outside of their house in Jacksonville with hundreds of white lights. Every night, the house lit up like a constellation, and they were all inside together, the three of them, and they were happy. Rob remembered, and as he remembered, he stepped into the motel room. He shook his head and scolded himself for opening his suitcase. Just thinking about all the things that were gone now seemed to make the darkness darker.